Welcome to the Power of Prayer podcast. This program is a ministry of All Saints Church in Lakeland, Florida. Each conversation is unique because of the topics and participants who join the Reverend Kathy Hewlin in the discussion. It's our hope that by listening to these testimonies and discussions, your openness to hearing from God in prayer will grow and change the way you love Him, yourself, and others. Well, we're gathered today for our Power of Prayer podcast, and I'm joined by Vicki Chastang and Phil Mays and Jay Geary and myself, Reverend Kathy, and we're all members of the Order St. Luke. And we decided today our topic would be on when tragedy strikes, how do we respond? And this could be a topic for um, maybe you as a listener to acknowledge that you feel like a tragedy is happened in your life and you're thinking about how people could respond for you to you help you in this time you might also uh, think of this conversation as if you are aware of a tragedy in someone else's life and how you can learn then how to respond for them so there's a variety of ways that you can be listening for this conversation Um, but we want to since we are prayer ministers and we are thinking about ways to pray for people that have been in a difficult situation, um, that have experienced some kind of loss or tragedy in their life. Uh, So we're thinking along those lines as we start our conversation today. Um, So we all know that as we're praying for someone, that as you enter into that conversation, first you're just, you're listening for what is the Holy Spirit going to reveal to you so that you would know how to respond to the person um, and what kind of questions you might feel like that you need to ask to continue to minister to them. And uh, one thing that I'm thinking about right now is that the Holy Spirit might invite you to ask some kind of question to know the timing of like how fresh is this tragedy that someone's wanting you to pray for and about. Um, So let's start there and just speak about the the timing of that. If it were a fresh wound, what might we do? I think you just listen to them you um know first of all if you're with them they if they've invited you for prayer or you're uh, visiting them and you're offering to pray for them you probably know um the circumstances of whatever it has happened recently if it's if it is fresh um probably know about it if not it's it's good to just start out asking them how would you, what would you like for Jesus to do for you today mm. and give them space to tell the story of what they're experiencing and why they're experiencing it and we listen uh, unconditionally mm-hmm. we want them to know that we're creating a safe space for them to be honest and to speak openly and share their feelings uh, whatever whatever that may be it could be anger it could be shame it could be whatever but we want to create a safe space for them to be able to express all of that and we're listening to the direction of the holy spirit on exactly how to pray for them what what do they want to hear Mm -hmm. what should they hear what could they hear Mm -hmm. um there are lots of phrases, like in the case of a death or something, that we certainly don't 
say to them because they don't want to hear those phrases. Mm-hmm. We want to offer them comfort. And um, you know, there's no comfort in telling a parent, well, God wanted, needed your child in heaven. And so, you know, he, he took your child uh, to heaven. There's no comfort in that, none whatsoever. And it's not true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not true. It's just, um, um, just stirs up more angst mm-hmm. and grief. So what you're sharing, Vicki, um, is bringing me to, to think about some passages in Job, just because that is in the lectionary cycle right now, that that's before us. And I'm thinking about um, Job's three friends. So it tells us in Scripture, this is in Job 2, that the first thing that they did was they, they came and showed him sympathy and comforted him. So that's beautiful. And when they saw him from a distance, they, they didn't even recognize him, but they raised their voices, they wept, they tore their robes, they sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. They sat with them on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his suffering was very great. So that, that says they're just being present, right? So when there's a fresh wound, sometimes what we need to do as a friend is, is simply be present that there's no counsel that we need to give. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And just receive whatever they're experiencing, that these friends in that moment were willing to experience that with him as much as they could. And so that's valuable. Now, where it turns south is when (laughs) then they start to each one by one try to to judge what he's saying and his experiences as then he starts to give voice to that and lament and wonder why he's even born, um, then they, they start to judge him on that. And that, that's where we need to learn and realize that's, that's not what we need to do as a friend or as a prayer minister. So your point to, to not judging and just listening and being attentive to them is significant. What are some other thoughts that we have uh, in creating space for that? Um, when we're praying for people, what, what do you find is a way that you can give that space? Is there anything that comes to mind that you would like to share? Well, I think you hit on it when you said just be present. Mm-hmm. Just be there, you know, just allow them the space to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, so that anxiety that's coming up in us that makes us want to talk and fill the space, that's where we have to say, no, that's okay. It's all right to be quiet, right? It's all right to just be there I think there's a natural or, or a, almost a, I'm not going to say a knee jerk but it's an automatic reaction with prayer ministers that you want to try to comfort somebody and I think it's, it may just be a, a, a natural human um, aspect that, that when somebody's coming to you particularly as a somebody wanting prayer that your empathy kind of kicks in and you want to um, gives some pe- people comforting words. I mean, it's, it's, and it's hard to just bite your tongue and say, you know, mm-hmm. let the person talk. You know, you don't know what, what to say. It may be inappropriate. Um, and I think w- with any kind of a, a tragedy, particularly with the loss of a loved one or uh, you know, a parent or a child or whatever, um, there's a space between the event and maybe when the person's coming to talk to you that in which the person grieves. And I think the, the grief process is very helpful to a person. It may not feel that way, but I think it is. 
um, and people grieve in different ways. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I, th- I think I would pray for in a person who, who has suffered a, a serious loss of a, a you know, person, I'm not talking about you know, your, your bank account with South, but I'm talking about something definitely close to the heart. I would let the person express the grieving process that they're that they're having, and and to recognize that and to bear witness to it. Um, like you said, oftentimes the best the best response, most prayerful response, would be to just listen and be quiet, and let the person you know unburden his or her heart. Uh, as to what's going on, I mean, oftentimes people people are not going to tell you straight up what really what's going on. I mean, there's there's all kinds of layers involved, emotional layers that would um, <clears throat> color a person's description of the experience that they're that they've experienced. I mean, the, the event um, and also their own feelings and emotions about that. So that this is where. I think it's it's very very important for prayer ministers to to ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to be able to sift through that and and really listen for for what's being said and and, and not judge it but just just listen to it mm-hmm. and let the let the Holy Spirit guide you um, first of all in, in processing it and then if you're being called upon to to respond you know it, verbally. Um, how to how to pray at that point? I mean, I think you know the grieving process that most people suffer. I think after a, a serious loss, is a kind of a ragged territory for them. It's not doesn't have neat boundaries, mm-hmm. and for the same reason, I think that praying for somebody in that situation, prayers are likewise going to be ragged and they have not have neat boundaries as to how to you know approach that. And so I think it's a it's a dynamic process that that really, um, you know, I think part of the I think the, the the key here is to listen to the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit guide our thoughts and our prayers for that person. Listen to that person, and uh, you know, Vicky, as you say, when we've had our our prayer. Uh, meetings and teachings is to listen, love, and pray. Amen. And I think the love part is, is very, very important. So that person realizes that he or she is, is speaking to someone who does, you know, love them in a, you know, agape kind of way, um, and that they're safe. I mean, that's, that's the impression I would want to create in someone who was coming to me for prayer. Um, so that's, those are just kind of my original thoughts at this point. Thank you, Jay. So that's making me think of some of those exercises that one might do. Um, I, I know this happened for Charles and me when we were doing premarital counseling, that we were invited to just look at each other and be close to one another, but you couldn't touch one another. So you know, that's an exercise in learning how to engage and to love someone without touching them and, and saying something right and that's really this listen love and pray is all about that's what you get to do like if you feel like you need to talk no you just need to listen 
<laughs> if you feel like you need to touch them, because sometimes that's my response. I don't always feel like I have words, but I feel like, oh, maybe I should give them a hug. And then I've done that in a couple situations. That's not what they wanted. <laughs> you know, they weren't looking for that. Um, so, okay, I need to figure out how to love them just by being here and trying to be active in a prayerful love towards them. So that's and, and I think, um, too, it's important, like, uh, the nonverbal communication, guidance of the Holy Spirit, but also to try to be as empathetic as possible versus sympathetic. Mm. Because the worst thing that can happen is you don't, I guess it's because people do care. You try to say something that's um, very, um, supposed to be profound or something like that there are in some cases one people don't want to hear that number two the last thing they need is somebody to be um to try to um not understand where they're at Mm -hmm. they they don't that, that is very difficult even if you've been in in um in the same situation not all people take it the same way or handle it the same way. Sure. So it's it's hard. You have to be very careful. But the nonverbal communication, I, I agree wholeheartedly with um, your presence can mean as much as a volume of speech. Mm-hmm. And just being there and trying to be empathetic but continually uh, in some ways, whether it be a touch, a word, or whatever, assure them that you're present. And again, I think timing is important. Um, sometimes um, the atmosphere, say at a funeral, is not where you want to get into something like that. It's, it's, it's maybe a one-on-one, maybe have lunch or breakfast. And, but the most important thing is to search for guidance from the Holy Spirit and try to understand that we're, um, we need to convey to them that feeling, mm-hmm. however prayerfully we can, because those feelings are very deep and sharp and hard, mm-hmm. very. And um, you can do more damage than good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's absolutely no harm in just saying to them, how can I pray for you? Would you like for me to pray for you? How can I help you? How can I be of service to you? And let them guide you. And, you know, instead of trying to, um, we're fixers. We want to be fixers. And so we'll walk into a situation and we'll say, oh, they need food. They need drink. They need whatever. They need all these things. And some of us um, have a tendency to sort of jump right in and want to start doing, doing, doing. We're doers. And that isn't necessarily what they need or what they want. They want someone just to sit with them and to be present and just have conversation. Let them direct the conversation and just say, what can I do for you? Mm -hmm. How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Now, what if we have a situation where, um, because I agree that's great advice, but then we know that we run into people that they just don't even know. Sure. Absolutely. So how do we minister to that when they don't even know what to tell you just be there Mm. just be present let them talk listen pray for them Mm -hmm. you'll learn a lot by listening 
we talk way, way, way too much. <laughs> we do. And by just being quiet and listening, we can ass- actually assess the atmosphere as well because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. You can feel uh, the atmosphere, feel what's going on in the room and, um, you know, kind of just assess that and you know how you can move as well so it's paying attention um so that's a good word as far as because i've been thinking about as we've all talked and say well just let the holy spirit guide you and i know there are people listening and they're saying what is that like (laughs) what does that mean but vicky by what you just said of being quiet but being attentive to what it feels like in the room like i think that's your entry if you don't know um that that sense of whether there's calm or there's there's struggle in some way that you, like that's the Holy Spirit letting you know yeah. what's going on. Yes, and and then you can then quietly ask, well, Holy Spirit, now what do I do with that information? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, Lord, how do I pray? Mm-hmm. How do I pray about this? Mm-hmm. You know, tell me what to say. Put your words in my mouth. Amen. Amen. Uh, excuse me. I would just say that. Asking the whole, if I was, if I knew I was going to have an encounter with a person who had a deep emotional uh, trauma or whatever, <clears throat> and needed prayer, I would ask God, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, to put me in a receptive mood before I start talking with the person. Because mm-hmm. what I don't want, like to do, uh, it's happened to me before, and sometimes, but I catch myself, and that is. You know, I'm thinking, I'm listening with one ear to the Holy Spirit, and I'm listening to the other ear to the person who's telling me what they're what they want or what they're doing, and I want my attention, you know, to be prepped in advance so I can focus 100% on what that person is telling me, and not be, I don't say distracted by by the Lord, but but certainly um, not engaged in, you know, oh God, help me please figure out what this person wants, um, so that. I'm devoting 100% of my time through through God's help uh, to listen to what that person is saying and then, okay, then backing up a little bit and then asking the Lord to, to then help me if if he wants me to say anything. Um, and that's, I mean, it's, it's not an automatic, you know, yeah, the Lord's going to use me like a ventriloquist and I'm going to say, you know, pray, 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 you know, whatever. Um, so I think that, that coming into a situation like that, if you know you are, I mean, obviously somebody may come up to us, any of us, and uh, for prayer, and we don't have a clue what the person's, what's on the person's mind. Uh, maybe for, you know, something relatively minor, then it could be something that's terribly heavy too. But um, I, guess, I guess where I'm going with this is that, is that I think in each situation where you, at least where you know that a person is coming to you with a prayer request based on a, a, a traumatic event in their life that's you know, grief-filled or whatever, uh, as we say, you know, when tragedy strikes kind of thing, a tragic incident. Um, I think humility is extremely, extremely important in, in the knowledge that, you know, uh, there but for the grace of God go I and uh, have that openness of heart and mind to to know that you know there's a connection here we're we're, we're human beings we're, we're children of god and it's going to happen to any of us and that's why it's it's important to really f- 
focus on what the person is trying to convey, but with the help, obviously with the help of the Holy Spirit, that's, we've been saying that all along, but um, that kind of base knowledge, I think, is, is important before you, if, if you can prep yourself before an, an event like that. I mean, oftentimes, you know, you're, there's going to be people who come come to pray for prayer that you have no clue as to what's going on in their lives. And they may just drop something like an atom bomb on you out of nowhere that something is really, really tragic. But I think having some sort of game plan, if you will, uh, in advance before praying with anybody uh, is is absolutely critical. Mm -hmm. You don't go into a situation like this, and I don't think anybody in the Order of St. Luke goes into the chapel cold, you know, well, what's going on today? Okay, somebody's going to come up but has prayerfully prepared themselves for that encounter because mm-hmm. that's what we do and, and it needs it demands that kind of um preparatory conversation with with the lord before any kind of situation where somebody is asking for prayer for something deeply personal so mm-hmm. And I think it's important, so for anybody who would come to us, Order St. Luke at our church, and um, want to receive prayer, to know that this is that this, this is the, our intent, right? That we have prepared ourselves and grounded ourselves and asked for the Lord to use us to be his instrument in the midst of that and have done the work, some prayerful work in preparing to that. Um, but also then I know that we'd have people that are ministering to a friend or a a neighbor and that sometimes like they're going to go out for a meal together or help them to do something difficult and they find that they need to prepare themselves for that Um, so that's just a good word for all of us to consider so um, maybe each of us can just give a word for what do you personally do to prepare before you are going to be with somebody as a prayer minister or as a friend what, what's something, a word of wisdom that we could share? Jay's comment about being humble um, is, is very on point, but also to, to understand um, that, it's, that we have to empty ourselves entirely of any preconceived notions. You know, the listen, love, and pray is a mantra, but at the same time, we have to understand that we, we, anything could happen, mm. okay? There could be total rejection. I don't know, you, you know, it's it's happened to me on a couple of occasions where I don't know why you're here and I don't know what, okay, fine. <laughs> Y'all have a good day, but um, I'll pray for you. But um, it, the important thing is to empty yourself mm. and, and know that we are the servant and that I I I always feel like the Lord give me the strength to perceive what's going on. Again, searching for the Holy Spirit. Now, how that happens, but it will if you. It takes work over time. It doesn't. It's not something you turn off and on. At least not to me. Mm-hmm. And and I have to get myself worked into that through prayer, before, you know, prepping before. But <clears throat> the most important thing is that person in front of you that you're talking to. Amen. And be prepared for anything. Um, you know, something out of the clear blue. I'm sure Vicky's had some situations where you walk in thinking one thing, and the next thing you know, you're 
it's, it's quite a different situation. But emptying yourself, knowing that we're a vessel that are there to help with the aid of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And that's the hardest thing to me is, is really getting your mind right about it. And, and that's what it's about, being receptive to the Holy Spirit more than anything else. Mm-hmm. And also understand um, some really negative things can happen. And it's not about you. It's not about it. It's, it could be any number of things, but maybe you got to step back and regroup on that. Um, I think Jesus gave a good example in the death of Lazarus because when just my reading in it was the, the, the family was very distraught and they had a lot of faith in Jesus. I don't think he said half a dozen words the whole time. He just said to and they were just, oh, if, if you'd have been here, it would have never happened. And he never, there was no long dialogue. There was no calm down or anything like that. But he, I think, was preparing himself for that event of meeting Lazarus. But dealing with the, with the pain and sorrow, and then he did, and he felt deeply emotional about it, and he probably cried. Mm-hmm. But I don't think he said ten words, six or ten words, the whole time. And now he's a totally different personality. But, <laughs> but my point being is nonverbal communication is more important than as many words as you can spout. Mm-hmm. That's that's a turn off a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's my view of it. Mm-hmm. I think you want to go into the situation. Um, before, I know, I will finish this sentence, I promise. Uh, <laughs> um, before doing a prayer appointment, an individual prayer appointment, private appointment, or before going into chapel, as you mentioned, Jay, or visiting with someone, um, it's important, as we have all said, I mean, unanimously we agree, it's important to be prepared. And that's something we should be doing on our day, on a daily basis. Is in our time with the Lord, we know how to hear His voice. We've spent enough time with Him. We um, and we are prepared before we even go. We can prepare about the visit. We have talked about that. One of the things we teach to people who are interested in becoming prayer ministers at Christian Healing Ministries is you always want to spend time before the appointment praying and listening to the Holy Spirit and many times you will know before you go into that appointment exactly um, how things are going to unfold Hmm. and you're exactly right Jay a lot of times there are surprises that pop up you know we will up there we get a um a personal information sheet that's about 10 pages long that they have completed and we as prayer ministers we meet ahead of time we pray over that we ask the holy spirit to direct us we look for things that would give us clues and then they may come in and it goes in a totally completely different direction and that's fine because it's being spirit led Mm -hmm. but we were prepared before we went and um, uh, I think everything that we have said is of great value in knowing how to pray for people, 
don't walk into that chapel on Sunday morning cold and mm-hmm. go, oh, wow, I just realized I'm here at church. I'm supposed to be on the <laughs> schedule today. Let me slap my OSL pin on and <laughs> go up there um, because you don't know what's going to come in there and ask for a prayer mm-hmm. and how deep it is. Mm-hmm. Could I ask a question and sure. kind of take this a little bit different direction? Sure. What if we're praying for someone? We talked about this before. What if we're praying for someone who's seriously ill? How do we know how to pray for the seriously ill? We've talked about, you know, traumatic events. That is a traumatic event. But we're going to actually pray for an individual who is very seriously ill or or has been seriously injured. Um, How do we know how to pray for that? And is should we different from what right? Uh, should we deal with maybe it's the person, or are we dealing with the family around the person? So I think that makes a difference um, in our particulars of what we're going to say. So maybe let's talk about the person. Um, whether so, for my standpoint, if I'm going to been asked to do last rites, there are family around, but I'm really trying to relate to the person that's hopefully present, and that they're not always you know, still with us to have a conversation, but there are times when they are. And so I want to minister to their body, mind, and spirit in that moment. So as part of last rites, um, one thing that can happen is that there can be confession. There can be, you know, some kind of dialogue that way, that there might be something that they feel like that this is their moment they've been given to say something profound and that they needed to get off their chest. Um, So that I think is part of the healing process um, for them to be able to articulate that and be given space for that. So, so that liturgy is significant and to go into the situation that you definitely have prayed up before you go there to just be available. Um, God, give me a mind to know you, ears to hear you, heart to love you and to love others. That's a prayer that I say before going to pray with people. Um, so that's just one thought I have on that topic. And you, you know, if someone is very seriously ill, do we go in? Do we pray for them to be healed? Mm-hmm. Um, do we pray for them um, that if, if they are in the la- final stages of life, are we praying for them to uh, transition over into eternity easily? Mm-hmm. I've been with people who, who were dying and I've seen them when they struggled, and I've seen them when they were just very peaceful, and it's like they just were asleep and drew a, drew a final breath. And I don't know what the difference is, because, of course, only God knows, but, um, and how do you minister to them? And I know a personal story. Um, my sister-in-law was a very, very strong believer, and she was um, diagnosed with a terminal form of cancer. She lived 90 days from diagnosis to the time she went to be with the Lord. She um, had very strong faith. She wouldn't even discuss anything with the doctors that when they would want to talk percentages of, of, of success, of treatment. She just said, talk to my husband, and um, I'm just believing I'm going to be healed, and that's it, and I don't really want to hear your statistics. I don't want to hear the numbers. And so she was praying with people in the hospital and doing all kinds of things, writing a book. I mean, just 
amazing faith, and yet she passed. And there were people, prayer ministers from Christian Healing Ministries, and uh, we would go over, sometimes pray with her all night in her hospital room. So the work was certainly done mm -hmm. to pray for healing, but she went to be with the Lord. So as you pointed out earlier, Phil, that you had read something Francis McNutt had in one of his books, that death can be healing. Mm -hmm. Death can be the ultimate healing. And we'll never know why God chose that particular time, why that particular time. To everything there comes a season, mm -hmm. a time to live and a time to die. That was her time. And um, we don't understand it. And I think when we get to heaven, it's not going to be important. It's not going to be one of those things, well, I'm going to ask God when I get there, because once we get there, we're not going to care <laughs> what the answers were to those questions, I truly believe. But, um, you know, we were absolutely praying for her healing, mm -hmm. and she was believing for her healing. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, you know, it, it just didn't happen. Yeah. Do you mm -hmm. feel like, because what God's bringing to mind for me is that the the people that are doing the praying, that there's something that you are gaining through that. Do, do you feel like mm. that is something that you could articulate that you learned or gained through that I, experience? I think we all drew much closer to the Lord Amen. and being able to trust him in with whatever the outcome was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, we would feel, definitely feel his presence. Um God used us and her um, in several ways while we were at the hospital. I was with her one night, just the two of us, and um, her her nurse um, came in in the middle of the night to tend to her, and her, her pager kept going off, and she apologized to us, and she said um, she was very sorry that her niece had been murdered that afternoon mm. and um she was getting messages from and i had seen it on the news mm. before i went up to the hospital i happened to look at her saw her last name and recognized the last name but um the first thing we said was well can we pray for you and she said yes and so my sister-in-law said well come here and she said oh you mean now <laughs> and linda said yes yes we're gonna pray for you right now and so um, I tell that story to say God was using us yeah. there for other people and we were trying we were attuned and we were listening and we were able to be submitted to him um, because we were paying attention mm -hmm. so that's one thing that was very impressive that God uses us wherever we are yes and, and I experienced so Charles's mom uh, passed away after a long stretch of being in an ICU unit um, just months it was just a really long time so that was hard on us um, physically and emotionally um, to just keep going but I remember uh, one of the times of that of being in the room that sometimes he and I would trade off what time of day we were there and uh, I had brought a hymnal with me and I was just singing to her and this was at a point where she didn't have eyes open, didn't know what she was hearing or responding to. But the nurses station, they received a, a, a blessing from that. Um, so, you know, we just never know how we're impacting others and, and how God is ministering to us in the midst of us in that journey. And what you said, Vicki, is very true that 
in the final analysis it's God's will and we we are being used God uses all of us in some way he uses the bad and the good for, for his uh, his means and <clears throat> the difficult part in some people's um, reckoning or however you want the reasoning is recognizing that it is out of our hands that God's will prevails here mm -hmm. and so if it's his will to be that it'll be that that person will be healed it, it will happen but if not it God has another plan now that's not much solace when somebody's dying or anything like that but as Christians that's technically the way we believe it mm -hmm. and we you know that's what we've we hold on to i think too that um because i've read uh kubler ross's several of her books and she she even wrote a book when she was dying from cancer i believe and um <clears throat> we have to recognize those patterns and people um steve jobs for example he was a Buddhist, I believe, or became a Buddhist when he found out he had, what was it, pancreatic cancer. Went in the diet routine and all this because he was going to beat it his way. Mm. And I'm not passing judgment. I'm just making an observation because I've read several articles about it. And uh, he went on a strict uh, vegetarian diet. And it was getting The point being is sometimes it's out of our hands. Mm -hmm. And uh, like you said, with the doctors, um, that's one of the most chilling events of my life is having a doctor tell me that my wife at that time had anywhere from three weeks to 11 months to live. You, you never forget that. Mm. And, and actually, the radiologist was more accurate, but... Um, no one that's out of our hands at that point. Mm. It's the most difficult thing to accept, but you go from there. Mm -hmm. Did you have people at that part of your life who could journey with you and, and help minister? I had friends. Um, my church was very helpful, but it wasn't as developed as it is now. Mm -hmm. the, I'll be honest with you. I mean, it was, I had companionship and friends helping and everything, but it was more of a busy time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't, uh, I mean, I was praying. I didn't know what I was doing, to be honest with you, but I was praying, bargaining, and doing all this other stuff, but it, the, it came down to realizing this was really happening. Mm -hmm. That, that, uh, the acceptance yeah <clears throat> but but see what happens what happened to me is the uh, your ground I, I lost my ground mm. <laughs> my compass was shot mm. <laughs> and um and and then you then you try to grab on to a life but i've had very close friends a good friend of mine there his uh and and his son died fell off a rock in north carolina and got killed mm. and he was, and he was good friends with my youngest son and 
and we became closer after that but it was more on um I, I let him have his space and then we started meeting but i <clears throat> the hardest part is recognizing when you get into a situation like this there's like a 10% chance you'll get out I'll say that on a positive note because there's 90% you, you're not making it. Mm. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but my wife was a very strong believer, and she was, the woman never complained. I was, I, I look back, and I don't want to get too personal, but she was a lot stronger about it than I was mm. and because of her faith. In a, in a different way. Women take things like that a lot different than men. Mm-hmm. They do. Men need that anchor. They are very insecure. And so you have to look also at the personality. I'm not saying it, it, it applies to everybody, but as a general rule, there's a lot more strength, spiritual strength to me and women than there are men. Mm-hmm. Not saying that everybody, but it's... Just from what I observed, I wanted to mention something that the Lord brought to me as you were talking, Phil, and everybody else has been talking. Um, that when we pray for somebody, um, you know, in whatever prayer uh, encounter that that we might have with a person, but it's particularly if someone's in the hospital or we go to their house or something like that. Um, we're there in that person's life for just a teeny tiny sliver of time. We're in, we pray, we're out. And 99% of, of the person's life is their family, their friends, other people who see us doing what we do. But you know whether they, how they respond to that is, it varies greatly depending on their beliefs. But I think that oftentimes when we pray for people, there's, there's more going on than just the connection between ourselves and the Lord and, and the person for whom we're praying. Um, you never know what kind of example or effect that may have on someone's spouse. Um, hopefully it's a positive uh, response uh, that they take from it. Or their children, or whatever, and so it, it just came to me that that you know when I'm when we're praying for somebody in the hospital, for example, um, I think it's important that we consider their families as well, or how they're going to take take that, um, because they're the ones ultimately who are going to bear the loss mm-hmm. if that person dies, and so the the prayer the praying encounter the prayerful encounter with the person who's ill I think it has to be it's got to be sort of a, kind of a your radar has to be on for for how other people are going to perceive what you are doing and let the Lord you know influence them you know Lord you know let my encounter with this person have a positive effect on the family as well because we're not praying with them they're not asking for prayer but they're still engaged in the process of something that could be very ultimately very uh sad mm-hmm. for the individual in question i mean I'm, I'm i'm struggling to be able to articulate this but i, th- I hope you get what i'm saying and that mm-hmm. is that it's more than just you know us and the person 
um, because we're, we're going to be there for however long or short or whatever it is, but those other people are going to be there for a much longer time, and they're going to have much more of, a, of an impact potentially on the person who is in the hospital, for example, or at home or in hospice or whatever. And uh, hopefully the, the, the prayer encounter will also heal, heal something in them mm-hmm. as well. Um, bring them into the, into the equation in a positive way, or at least as the Lord directs them, um, even though we may not be actually, you know, engaged in prayer with those folks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's a, the scope of what we're talking about today is potentially a lot wider than the way I was originally thinking of it when mm-hmm. we came here. Mm-hmm. So. God just opened up the conversation. He sure did. <laughs> and, you know, once you prayed for the person that you're there to pray for, um, it's good to offer to pray for the family members mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can, you know, it's important to minister, as you said. It's important to be aware, but primarily your focus is on the person that you came to pray for. But you want to be aware, exactly as you're saying, of the family and how can you pray for them. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes <clears throat> I've had experiences where the spouse of, of a person who's ill or a family member is there in the hospital with them, and I'll invite them to be part of that prayer. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they're willing to do it, other times they're just quiet. But I think, I think it's usually helpful to do that mm-hmm. they, they they understand what our job is or what our role is rather not our job but what our role is in that encounter and uh most times i I've, i feel that they have welcomed that participation they haven't you know eh, it's your job you do it but uh that's i don't know what else to say at this and there certainly can be a word that God gives you to pray for that person that the family member hears and that stays with them and that gives them a prayer then that they can continue to offer. So, yeah. Well, thank you all for this conversation today. It, it did start to spin in a different direction than how we, we started, but that's okay. It can definitely minister. As we continue to talk, I kept on thinking of people that I know that are ministering to loved ones and how this could help encourage them in that ministry so all right until next time god bless god bless god bless bless you